The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Hey, friendo, Steve here. And Larson. And welcome back to sorry, going. Sorry, young boy, Larson, sorry. Young boy. It's the last, last time I have to do it. It's the last time. It's the last, last time one. you're going to have to do it, young boy. Nibon, off to excursion, return Ichiban. That's the goal, man. Yeah, dude. Anyways, welcome back to Going In Raw, the only pro wrestling podcast you need to be listening to. Special edition, Dark Side of the Ring review time, man. These are so great. These are so much fun. Of course, last week, uh, we gave you our thoughts on the New Jack, the life and crimes of New Jack. Before that, mm-hmm. we had the Benoit uh, mm-hmm. retrospective. Uh, this week, we're looking at Brawl for All, bro. Yeah, uh, this has been a subject that's been covered actually pretty extensively. Uh, Brian Zane did a video on it. Uh, Sean Ross Sapp did an extensive uh, retrospective on it. I interviewed Vince Russo, I believe. Um, so it's ground that's well covered. Yeah, sure. That being said, there's a couple things uh, uh, described in this that at least I didn't, I wasn't aware of. Sure, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the primary amongst those was Vince Russo saying motivation, the inspiration behind the Brawl for All, was essentially to see uh, Bradshaw get beat up. Yeah. And he was talking tough backstage. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, that was good. Not shocking. Not shocking. He seemed like he was a royal prick back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the idea that Vince Russo uh, would then be like, man, I want to see this guy's ass kicked. Hey, I should get to do a tournament where uh, people get their asses kicked. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, and, uh, it was an interesting dichotomy. I know I, I saw some complaints about the uh, another instance of uh, Cornette and Vince Russo essentially arguing via video footage about what pro wrestling should be. Uh, I think we kind of saw this a bit with the Montreal Screwjob one. Um, yeah, you know, there there was some, uh, specifically like Dave Meltzer, I I think some, some people who are maybe like a little too close to the situation, because Meltzer knows about this stuff, you know, he's been, he's been involved in some of it, kind of, you know. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I, I personally, this is just me speaking, I don't think it detracted from the Montreal Screwjob one. It could, because all. I think that it was it was a small part of an otherwise really wonderful documentary, and I thought that small part was actually very interesting. You have two mm-hmm. very interesting characters who are heavily involved with the proceedings, and they are both giving us their recollections mm-hmm. of what was going down. I think they're interesting figures, you know, within the historical context of things, and I think them bickering and. It's so funny because I thought that in the Montreal Screwjob one, Cornette came off like he was the guy that was sort of telling the truth there, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like the fact that he was giving, he was providing the basis uh, from a historical perspective as to how he came up with this idea to screw Brett over, his story just seemed more, you know, it it seemed uh, more credible than Vince Russo's. the flip side of this, it, it didn't have anything to do with taking credit or not, but I actually thought that Vince Russo came off okay in this in this episode of Dark Side of the Ring. Um, I think especially at the end where we saw uh, 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 some contrition on sure, his yeah, part yeah. coming up with the idea, because the way the episode was, was set up is he explains motivation why, uh, he watches some of the stuff, um, and he still laughs about Bradshaw getting knocked out. 
Um, he seems for the first 45 minutes of the episode basically unrepentant was coming mm -hmm. up with this idea and then at the very end uh, they show more footage of, of especially the Bradshaw fight and he's like man knowing what we know now about CTE yeah. concussions head trauma this was a terrible idea well, if it was today I never would have pitched it and yeah they have them they, they're basically have them doing a live reaction which they cut mm -hmm. back to every once in a while mm -hmm. and and when it starts off you know I think it was the very first fight or one of them he he says, you know, okay, so I'm sitting here as a fan, and I'm I'm entertained by this. You know, yeah. he's sort of justifying it, but by the end, when you see Bradshaw get annihilated, even he has to step back and say, yeah, dude, wouldn't have done this, especially with what we know now. I yeah. probably shouldn't have done this. Meanwhile, Cornette is ranting and raving about this, and they do kind of an interesting thing, and I want to get your thoughts about how they do this. Cornette's point is. These guys, you're putting them in danger. Mm -hmm. Pro wrestling is dangerous enough. Mm -hmm. And they use the draws incident uh, with D'Lo to, uh, to say, hey, this is dangerous enough. Why would we make it more dangerous? Why mm -hmm. would we disrespect it um, by doing something where these people can get seriously injured? Yeah. Uh, what, what is your take on that? I don't think he's wrong. I mean, I mean, I, I don't about necessarily the the the. I mean, yeah, I, I don't I don't think in that instance Cornette is wrong per se. Um, it's a terrible idea. I mean, even even by the time this episode ends, Russo comes around to realizing that it's a terrible idea because of the injury risk. Mm -hmm. um, and at the time, you know, when when so many of the talents seem like we're hungry for a shot, and we're willing to do this mm -hmm. to get that opportunity. Because the whole thing, you know, I don't know how much of the chatter backstage was, and we'd heard this before, that the winner, who they apparently wanted to be Dr. Destiny Williams, yeah. was going to get pushed to a, a, a potential main event slot in a program against Stone Cold. Mm -hmm. Well, if I'm any of the guys who are mired in the mid-card at best, and I hear that, and all I got to do is, is take some punches, and hopefully if I land a couple of lucky ones, I can win, get a huge payday at the end with a 75 grand, goes to the winner, and get a, and get a, a, get a push... Yeah, maybe I'm willing to take that risk. Yeah, because it, it could potentially benefit myself and my family financially. Yeah, and yeah, that maybe maybe the injury risk is 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 on your mind. But at the same time, I mean, some people might like Bart Gunn for instance. He probably thought this is my last best my best last chance to go somewhere in this company. Oh, it's a it's a no lose situation. Mm -hmm. Either you're just stuck where you are currently, or you come out of it ahead. There's two things that that absolutely sort of infuriated me about this episode, or not the episode, but about the story. Mm -hmm. Number one, why is everybody laying this at Russo's feet when this clearly had to get passed by Vince McMahon first? Yeah. The knock yeah. on Russo is he had a thousand ideas and Vince would pick the two that were good. Yeah. Vince clearly thought that this was an idea worth exploring mm -hmm. and he greenlit it. So where is the outrage towards the man who actually greenlit this thing? I know. If Vince thought this was a bad idea, he would have laughed it out of the room. I know, and, he, and apparently he thought it was such a, 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 a solid idea that during Tough Enough, there was that boxing match between Miz and Daniel Puder, and apparently um, I, I, the, the former writer said in 2009 or 2010, he considered bringing it back as part of the NXT competition. The other thing that infuriated me about it was what happened after, the, and two additional things, I'm sorry. Bart Gunn, and well, I mean, we're just sort of all over the map right here, but that's yeah. okay, that's what we do with these things. Mm -hmm. Bart Gunn goes through this, he wins the entire thing, right? When as soon as he knocks out Doctor Death, 
like destroys his career basically. Why are they not thinking to themselves, how can we take advantage of this? They had another guy in the company at the time who was nothing. Well, they had a couple legitimate guys in the company at the time. One of them was Dan Severn. Another mm-hmm. one was Ken Shamrock. Mm-hmm. How much personality do those two really put on display during their pro wrestling careers? Basically zero. Not a lot. Bart Gunn, say what you will about him. He had he had good looks. Yeah. He had a very down-to-earth sort of good way of going. He was not an over-the-top character at all. He was the exact opposite of that. And you mm-hmm. could say, okay, maybe the guy didn't have a ton of camera charisma beyond just being a good-looking guy. But to not even explore that. I know. To not even explore that. Once he annihilates Dr. Death, you could say, oh, my God. What can we do? This? And Vince Russo, even so, when Cornette says, you just wasted $5 million talking about Dr. Death. And he says, we'll just make Bart Gunn the guy. And Cornette goes off on him. And it's like, wait a second. That's actually sound logic. It this is. guy's well, about to annihilate this tell, field. You could tell based on the interviews with Cornette and JR, they were two. Both of them seemed like they were friendly with Dr. Death. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. JR for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the very least, Cornette was a huge fan of Steve Williams' work. They were probably too close to the situation in that respect, thinking, we're going to bring this guy in. I don't think v- Russo was was way off base saying Steve Williams was past his prime at this point. He was, yes, he I know. And, and even, in terms dude, of even I knew that back then, and I was an I idiot. Know. I was like a I twenty know. year old kid. And and given the personalities that existed in WWE at the time that were at the top, Stone Cold Rock, Triple H, uh, I can go on. Uh, Steve Williams doesn't have that larger than life personality. He does. He doesn't. He doesn't project that level of personality towards the camera. Um, and yeah, you could maybe set him up with a, with someone to do his talking for him. But even at, you know, like yeah, he was undefeated for or had been pinned for ten years or something like that. Um, you have Dan Severn walk in the company, a legit, legit, legit combat athlete. Yeah, one of the best ever to do it, and they can't get him over to the de- to the degree where he is a credible with Jim Cornette doing yeah. his talking for him. Yeah, getting him over enough to to push him up to the main event. Why do they think it's going to be any different with Dr. Death? When you were, when we were watching back then, either at the, uh, let's see, where were we in 98? We were still here in 98. That's when we moved to LA. Yeah. Uh, when we were watching, but we would have been watching here in SAC. Yeah, I remember watching. Yeah. I think pretty much all the Brawl for All. When Dr. Death was introduced, did you ever once think, man, this guy's legit. I want to see him in the main event. Never once. There were too many guys with too much personality on the rise. Triple H, under, well, Undertaker. I mean, he'd been around for a little while, but still. Uh, Undertaker, Mankind, uh, you name it. The Rock, every everybody, yeah. everybody. Yeah. I wanted to see Dr. Death comes in, and all I can think is this guy looks like he's a relic from like the, you know, the 80s South type wrestling, which I didn't really care about. Like, he looked like a mid-carter in WCW. Now, I was, granted, I was not, you know, educated on his credentials, Mm-hmm. And maybe if I was, I would have marked out a little bit more. But just as a as a fan back then, watching like so many other college age kids, like Vince Russo notes, I saw this guy as old, past his prime. I didn't care. And so when yeah. I found out decades later that he was in line for a shot against Stone Cold off the off this brawl for all, I was like, this would have been silly. Yeah, this would have been absolutely silly. Give me Kane. Give me anybody else. I know. I know. I mean, and then and I think as Doctor Death put it, it, ended up being Triple H that eventually got that spot. Yeah, which made sense. Um, and if you would have put Bart Gunn, a young guy, good looking, 
if he annihilates the field like he did, uh, I would have been like, okay, if you booked it, if, if creatively you do this right, I will, I'll never forget the one time, and I'll, I'll, I'll ask you, All what's right. the one time you and I really marked out for Shamrock? Um, we saw him at a star casting and still looked all jacked. <laughs> okay, it's unfair. To, it's unfair to put you on the spot. Do you remember when he he was the one guy that like it was he was the first guy to turn? Yeah, wasn't he like part of the ministry? And yeah. then he turned on them to save like somebody, like a girl or something. I forget what it was. Yeah, but he comes running down, and everybody's like, "Oh man, Shamrock's gonna like save the day of, in some sort." He like turned on the big you know evil group. Yeah, and it was like, man. What if you put Bart Gunn in a similar situation like that? What if he's recruited by like the ministry or something mm-hmm. as like, you know, a muscle guy, but then he's the guy who's like too good to like go through with all this nasty stuff they yeah, were yeah, doing. Yeah. Yeah. There's a million ways you can tell this story. Yeah. And and it was never considered. It was no, never well, even considered. I mean, the only thing they considered after he won is they sent him home, said, oh, you're going to fight Butterbean. That was Mania. terrible. And then, and then here, we're going to, we're going to uh, not only have you do boxing training to take on a professional boxer. We're going to like repackage you as boxer. This guy should have been packaged as like bar fighter. Yes. Yes, exactly right. Exactly right. And it was shocking is that at the time it was like, like WWF's creative, like Zenith, basically, you know, it was like the top that they were, you know, and so like, uh, uh, and that was the other thing that really infuriated me is that internally Butterbean, I always, I always thought, I always thought. Butterbean was brought in as an opportunity, not necessarily as punishment. You oh. know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. I didn't. Makes, Butterbean makes it clear it was punishment. <laughs> I know. He says that. He says, yeah, I guess I was brought in as sort of like his punishment for like, for what? He even, Barkun even says, dude, in the documentary, I'm willing to work with you guys. You yeah. know what that means. Yeah. He says, oh, you, essentially, he says, if you want Dr. Death to win, look, I, you know, I will face him in the finals and I am willing to work with you. That means he's willing to throw the match. He's willing to do business. Yes. And then everybody's like, literally says to him, oh, we're not worried about Dr. Death. What, like, what more can you do to put a chip on somebody's shoulder to prove a point? Right. Yeah. Pretty much saying, oh, Dr. Death is going to wipe the floor with you. Yeah. And JR, JR was, and JR's like, and still to this day, incredulous that Dr. Death lost. And it's like, and he, it's like he lays it at the feet of Bart Gunn. What is he supposed to do? What dude, what is he supposed to do? I know it was infuriating. This pork, this is like the most Kafka esque bullshit I've ever seen I in know. my life, but it really seems like that in a nutshell, probably still to this day. Yeah, no, I know I, it totally does, but there, there, I mean, you know, you got, you got guys that are no longer in the WWE in JR and Cornette and granted Cornette. Yeah. Say what you will about him. Right. But Cornette really knows for back then pro wrestling, you know, he might have his issues with, and that that's, that's a whole other weird thing. I, I'm still, I'm, I'm convinced there are just little things that like Dave Meltzer has said, I'm convinced there are some things that we don't know about as it pertains to why Jim Cornette is so weird about modern day, about the Kenny Omega stuff and mm-hmm. the Joey Ryan stuff. I'm convinced there is something there that we simply don't know because hmm. in, in everything else, you know, I mean, he, he, he seems like a, a pretty cool guy, 
in 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 many other respects. You know, I mean, look at his. It, it's not like his Twitter feed is like Jackson Riker's, dude. You know what I no, mean? No, I know. It'd be like like, like I understand me like politically. It's weird. He's a there's a weird dichotomy with Jim Cornette because he's politically he seems pretty liberal. Yeah. At the Progressive. same time, yeah. In certain respects, he's very tied to the way things are done thirty or forty years ago. Which, um, yeah, like specifically pro wrestling, and he says this in, in 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 talking about how he tried to teach Vince Russo the ways of doing things in wrestling traditionally, and mm. Vince Russo was not interested in that. He would rather watch Jerry Springer and write an episode of Raw based on what he saw. Yeah, um, and and he, uh, the way Cornette put it. Russo is not the least bit interested in kind of learning the ropes of pro wrestling writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and he says something to the effect of uh, uh, Russo didn't this paraphrasing here. Russo didn't take wrestling seriously, but wrestling is very important to me because it's provided it's like it's the thing I love most for 40 years. Yeah. And I'm my this is just my guess. Cornette fell in love with wrestling 40 or 50 years ago. And and it's it's the scenario where he fell in love with it. And his perfect image of wrestling is what he fell in love with. Mm-hmm. And that is essentially uh, uh, two competitors in the ring uh, choreographing a fight that it comes off as believable and real. And when it's done right, the crowd gets sucked into that illusion and have a, has an emotional reaction based on that. Mm-hmm. And anything that deviates from his perfect image of pro wrestling is an assault on pro wrestling and therefore must be destroyed. I think that I think that's the that, only sense I can make of it. No, I know. And because at this point you can, you can only extrapolate, you can only yeah. extrapolate because it's never really, it's, he doesn't really explain, but there, there's, there's an odd, there's, there's gotta be, it's an interesting, he's an interesting guy. It just feels like there's some, there's some missing piece that if we knew whatever the story was, there's some, a rosebud, there's a rosebud, there's a rosebud. Thank you. Exactly. There is a rosebud. And if we knew it, we'd, we'd understand it. We'd be like, oh, okay, now I get it. Mm-hmm. It's probably in generalities exactly what you're saying. There's something specific and something traumatic <laughs> or something. I don't know. But um, but he is at fever pitch when it comes to Russo. So here's the thing. If you, if you as I described Cornette, his, his philosophy of pro wrestling, he sees Vince Russo basically sees the Antichrist. Sure, yeah. Because here's someone who had, who in, in Russo's mind, at least Cornette thinks, uh, there's nothing sacred mm-hmm. about pro wrestling. There's yeah. nothing that needs to be protected. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, 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 there's no tradition to uphold. Mm-hmm. There's no unwritten rules to follow. Mm-hmm. And it's all about uh, popping ratings, popping this, popping that, week to week to week. Yeah. Um, and as as good as Russo came off in this particular episode, it was still incredibly disappointing to hear him say that they used to watch Jerry Springer while watching Raw. Mm-hmm. Like that was their sole influence. Yeah. And yeah, you can see that on the screen when you watch Raw for the most part, but also it kind of, and maybe, you know, you, you can't, just as you probably can't lay all the blame on Russo's feet for everything that went wrong at WB, you can't exactly give him all the credit either. Sure. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, that there was a lot of pretty, there was some pretty decent storytelling going on in yes. there during the Attitude Era. Absolutely. And, and you'd like to hope that the inspiration for that would be more substantial than Jerry Springer. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small 
Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Yeah, sure. Sure. I mean, I, I, I honestly think that the Springer stuff was, you know, may, maybe the, the basis for, and it's funny cause I, and I know that it's going to be obviously his very biased, you know, point of view, but like, you know, I, I, I'm going to try to read Russo's book because I am kind of, I am very interested in sort of, you know, what his tale is even told through his lens. And then you can mm-hmm. sort of piece together. But, um, but you know, I, I'd like to think that, you know, the stuff that was, the stuff that was influenced by Springer was probably, it, it's probably obviously the stuff that, you well, know. it's the more shocking stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, to, to plot out, to pl- and granted, I haven't watched in a little while, but to plot out Survivor Series 98. And again, I, I, I'd like to, to read a book on, on how that went down to yeah, see exactly yeah. who the cooks were in that kitchen. Yeah. But um, there's some damn good plot twists at Survivor oh, yeah. Series 98. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There are some damn good plot twists during the Attitude Era. There really mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I was just watching today, and it reminded me of of how good that you know, the plot twist could be. Uh, the Festival of Friendship, you know, mm-hmm. with Jericho, and I'm like, God damn, man! I know they talk so heavily about working with Jimmy Jacobs on that, and it's just a bummer that he's not with the company anymore I because know. Know. that was some really good stuff. And then I started thinking, man, how long is Kevin Owens with WWE? Because I'd love to see him back with Jericho in AEW. And he's there through 2023. Yeah, he's on a new deal. <laughs> in 2018, yeah. Yeah, um, like five-year deal, yeah. So, so, uh, so anyways, getting back to it, though, um, the, the, the story of Bart Gunn is an absolutely fascinating one. Uh, the fact that he was paired up with... Uh, with you know, there, there, is some, there is some shady behavior with how the brackets were shaking out. Yeah, you know they claim it was hats in a bag, 
But like, you know, the fact that Bart Gunn was paired with his tag team partner in the first mm-hmm. round, mm-hmm. Uh, he just absolutely annihilates, annihilates Bob Holly to the point where Bob looks like he's going to cry at the end. Oh, it's like super. It's like the most cry face you're going to see. It really is. And on Bob Holly. I know. Bob Holly, noted tough guy, Bob Holly, and they go back to the and he's and they ask, well, what was it like immediately after? He's like, it was kind of quiet, you know, and yeah, and so Bart we Gunn room that night, yeah. <laughs> and Bob Holly's laying on the couch. The <laughs> oh, I know the recreation. Yeah, Bob, Bob, Bob Holly got the couch. It's great because in the recreate the, the recreation is great. It's one shot of in the foreground here have a Bart Gunn with his head in his hands and sitting in the on the ba- bed and in the bed yeah on the bed and in the background Bob Holly is twisting and turning on the couch trying to fit his massive body on probably a very small couch in a hotel room it's probably more a love seat yeah um I thought the godfather was hilarious in this yeah you know yeah. Uh, being so over over the top about his love of the cannabis it's interesting too because he was talking about his time uh was it working in the gentleman's establishment cheetahs yeah yeah, and he's and the thing like he he put over how much he really enjoyed the Godfather character, but what do you say about working in the the strip He used club? to slap the shit out of pimps. He hated pimps. He hated the pimps, man. Maybe he was portraying like, you know, a kinder, gentler pimp. <laughs> I don't know, but again, a very interesting character. Yeah. Um and and wildly entertaining to 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 listen to. Like mm-hmm. I'd love to hear more of his stories. It was interesting uh, the Bart Gunn section. So uh, he loses the Butterbean at WrestleMania. I think he's gone from WWE shortly thereafter. And my understanding is that he went to. They mentioned this. He went to Japan. Yeah. And they mentioned that there was like a potential uh, bout between himself and Butterbean mm-hmm. in an MMA match, but he had to be ready in like four days. And Bart's like, No, 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 no. I want yeah. fight camp. I want to prepare for this. They didn't mention anything. Apparently, my understanding is, is he went to Japan and did some wrestling and actually did pretty well for himself. Yeah, I was shocked that they didn't. Uh, that was always my that was always my understanding. Um, I was shocked. I mean, I, I, I really, I, I understand. I totally understand that documentaries uh, form together around a certain narrative that ideally develops once you start understanding the story. Once they start. Once documentary filmmakers start creating a story or start filming stuff, basically mm-hmm. gathering info, they start to form a narrative. Um, I'm not sure how the brawl for all works if they go out and do the interviews first and then in the editing room determine what the narrative is. But I'm never a fan of when they ignore certain big things simply to fit the narrative, because if Burt Gunn did experience uh, success in uh, wrestling in Japan, like we had both heard. Um. Yeah. So he was uh, Mike Barton in New Japan from 2002 yeah. to 2004. In all Japan. All Japan. Uh. Oh. So all Japan was 98 to 2002, and then New Japan was 2002 oh, to 2004. Sorry. So we had sorry. four years in Japan oh, pro go. wrestling. Yeah, yeah. Um. And uh, and that was like yeah, that was right after he was a, he was a tag team champion apparently. Yeah, with Johnny Ace <clears> in all Japan. <throat> Oh, that's yeah. Okay, yeah. Look at that with Johnny Ace. Um, I thought that he did uh, a little bit better. What did he do in New Japan? Uh, let's see here. He was number one contenders for the tag he teams. Was a tag team with Jim Steele. Yeah, and then he got injured. Uh, they entered the G One Tag League. Uh, okay, so. Oh, that's funny. I think, I think he had his, his greater success in all Japan because that's where uh, Steve Williams wrestled for long this time. And I think, according to this, at least this Wikipedia entry, uh, he gained some notoriety in Japan because he knocked out Steve Williams. And Steve yeah. Williams was like, 
over huge. Oh God, yeah, and him yeah, and totally. Terry Gordy were tag team champions, and yeah, there's pictures of them with like 15 belts amongst the two of them. Yeah, yeah, they were dominant over there. Yeah, so I mean, he had he had I guess I guess given that it wasn't like overwhelming success, I thought it was I thought it was a bit more than than just this. Mm-hmm. Uh, on let's see, 2001, he won the annual Kirk and Hall Battle Royal. Um, I mean, he had some, yeah, okay. All right. Well, whatever. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that was interesting that the draws stuff was interesting. Hearing D yeah. talk about the draws stuff was, was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's obvious, <clears throat> it was always obvious that that had weighed really heavily on D Brown. He mm-hmm. just, D Brown just seems like the biggest sweetheart. I know he really know. does. He really does. Yeah. Um, it was interesting hearing draws talk about his loss to Bradshaw where he was convinced that he should have won the match, but it was a situation where, all right, well, they want Bradshaw to advance. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that was, yeah. And then just G- Jim Ross's, uh, general, like confusion over how the rules kept on. The whole thing was so haphazard. It was like, yeah, just go out there and fight. Well, what about takedowns? Oh yeah. I guess that's those points, you know? Yeah, and they had a they had a scoring system, but you know, JR says something like, Well, you have referees who've never refereed a match like this. He has judges who've never scored a match like this. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be a mess. Yeah. And I, like it was funny hearing him say, Well, like I wasn't dismissing JR saying this, dismissing the idea on paper, but he's like, after the first week, mm-mm. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Yeah. He said, like what do you say? Something like I I I, I couldn't stand episodes of Raw with Brawl for All and didn't want to mm-hmm. call those matches. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not his thing. Um, <clears throat> so in the end, uh, do you think that the Brawl for All was the worst idea in pro wrestling? I don't know if it was the absolute worst. It's a contender for the worst, given all that happened. Given the the, the number of injuries, you can make the point that uh, Steve Williams' loss uh, effectively uh, ended his uh, wrestling career as a made of, potential made eventer. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the Godfather detailed the injuries he suffered. Um, yeah, that was crazy. That was absolutely crazy. Like, I didn't. That was one thing that was absolutely shocking is just how much damage can be done just from these silly boxing slash wrestling. I mean, he said that mm-hmm. his he was in a wheelchair, his leg got infected, mm-hmm. and I was thinking to myself. And I mean, sometimes you're you're a bit better at diagnosing things than I am. What what the hell happened there with his leg? I'm not sure because as red as what it was, that's either bruising yeah which would indicate maybe a, a torn muscle of some sort because mm. all of his thigh mm-hmm. or it, you can also get a, a redness and inflammation like that from an inf- if it because it's hard to tell this one picture whether it was bruising or if it was inflammation it was inflammation that's as you mentioned there was an infection there yeah if that was an infection that was widespread <laughs> yeah no that was kidding. over like his entire thigh pretty much but it, you know i don't know how the infection would have come about who knows yeah um, yeah, that was that was the more shocking thing to me was uh, you know was just the the goddamn yeah the and again it's a, it's a situation where Cornette is correct about putting talents in place to, in a position where they could get hurt in an industry that's very dangerous yeah but for him to lay the sole blame for that on Russo's feet yeah uh, is not like that's not I mean yeah you can say oh that was stupid to come up with that idea uh, Vin, Vince Russo didn't make that. The brawl for all happened. It was yeah. Vince McMahon that made that happen. I wonder. I do wonder if there is. I, it, it and it sort of speaks to the relationships backstage with McMahon because I wonder if it's. I wonder if it's a case of McMahon brings in Russo says this kind of stuff in the magazine is what we need. Yeah. 
And I want Vic Venom to write the show. <laughs> Vic Venom. And I wonder if the guys, Pritchard, Cornette, Jr., whomever, Briscoe, whatever, see this Russo guy. And I wonder if Vince has his golden boys, if you will, you know, like the guys that he sort of gets infatuated. The boss is infatuated with this guy for right now, you know, Mm -hmm. and he'll do what he'll do. What Vince Russo says, because he's infatuated with him in the moment. And then, you know, and then he moves on to maybe somebody else who has like a bunch of great ideas that McMahon likes. And I wonder if it was a situation where there's a certain responsibility for being the person that Vince listens to that they all maybe respect backstage. It's like, hey, Vince is really enamored with my ideas right now. I have to I have to be very careful with that. I have no idea. I'm just sort of speculating. I don't know either. I don't know if it's a situation, too, where I don't know if, it, if, it, if it's a situation like that where Vince says, oh, I like this guy's ideas. He's my new number one until that person's out the door and then replaced by somebody else. I don't know if that's a situation or if it's a situation where, you know, at that point, Pritchard had been with the company for a while. Cornette probably had two. Mm-hmm. Patterson's been there forever. Oh, yeah. Um, and you got this new guy coming in who was writing columns for the magazine and send, suddenly handed the book, essentially. And they, mm-hmm. they could all be like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm why sure is he, why is he on my turf now? Yeah. Potentially feel threatened by it. Maybe Cornette, maybe that's one, one of the reasons Cornette was was upset about it. It's like, all right, this guy is is on my turf now. Uh, I'll try to show him the ropes. Oh, you're not interested? You know, uh, mm-hmm. just immediately taking offense just based on that ground, if nothing else, you know? Yeah, I forget I forget who is attributed to the quote, and uh, I'm reading that. I'm, I'm about 100 pages away from being done with that Nitro book. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, that's why they said that in on when Russo showed up to Nitro, the non-wrestling segments just went through the roof in terms of the number of them. Because he he was not about storytelling in the ring. Nope. Uh, he was all about you know everything but the actual wrestling, mm-hmm. which was uh, kind of silly because it's professional wrestling. Yeah. Um, and you really need a mix of the two. You do. Um, so uh, so yeah, I don't know. I what, it probably I mean, it was probably in terms of like the stage that it was on. It was probably the worst idea in pro wrestling. That being said, in terms of it being. An entertaining clip in terms of it being like a funny footnote that, oh, they would do this. It's it's way up there. You know what it I is. mean? It is. It, it's like, wow, they really went that route. That's interesting. It's it, it's interesting. Remember, I remember watching it live at the time. It's like, gosh, this, these fights are terrible. <laughs> They're awful. I know. I know. Because they showed, you know, like Bart Gunn was like one of the handful of people who actually managed to knock anybody out. Mm-hmm, yeah. By and large, it was sloppy. It takedowns attempts. Just just it was ugly. Just, you know, like I think in their mind, they want to have fights like Rocky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where they were basically throwing haymakers and just like sucking them up on their chin. Yeah. But it was just flailing punches, not many landing, awkward takedowns, mm-hmm. sloppy fighting, not fun to watch. Yeah. Um, it was largely a pretty lousy viewing experience as a fan. It's pretty bad stuff, dude. Yeah, it was. Anyways, let us know what you guys thought about the Brawl for All documentary or just the Brawl for All itself. Uh, thanks for watching, and until next time, uh, what, what's up next week on Brawl on uh, Dark Side? Is it the, uh, the 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 Snuka murder? Might be. Okay. Well, in any event, we'll be back next Sunday for more of that. Thanks for watching. Till next time, we'll talk to you later. Goodbye.
The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.